0: Previously on the Sports Refuge Podcast. The game that we played, I was the tallest kid on the team. So I had to play center. Now, who did we end up
1: playing? Six foot nine, DeMar Johnson.
0: From Delaware, almost live. This is a Sports Refuge Podcast. This is the weekly podcast featuring interviews with guests discussing their connection to sports. And now, here's your host, Earl Holland. After a long layoff, The Sports Refuge is back again. This is the show where guests share their connection to sports. And I'm your host, Earl Holland. Christian Blake, who has been a guest on this podcast several times, has a love for all things NBA, R&B music, and now a newfound interest in jazz music. In this episode, which was recorded in February 2021, I talk with Christian about his interest in R&B music, his interest in jazz, and the story about how he lost and regained his voice. We'll also discuss some of his thoughts on some of the most unpopular R&B opinions as submitted by show listeners and how he spent much of the pandemic. And now, my interview with Christian Blake. Christian Blake, uh, who you guys have seen before on previous episodes of the podcast as we talked about R&B music and sports and everything of that ilk. And again, I'm glad to have you back. You didn't tell me about the theme music, buddy, <laughs> it's Like the Sanford and Sun Joint. What was that from? I found it it was some stock music that I'm like, you know what? I'll look for something interesting. I was just sitting at the radio station one day and I'm just looking for different tracks and I'm thinking, you know what? This sounds very interesting and again, it sounds like that would be something I would use and that's how I got <laughs> it
1: sounds like something you would I was going
0: to say it's sort of like Sesame Street and a game show but anything from the 70s. Yeah, yeah man, uh, I game shows. Yeah, that's like peak Sesame Street, I guess. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I see. You know, everybody has a different reaction to that song. Even some, once that man, that song's a banger. Other people who are just bobbing their heads to it. And it's so long, two minutes long. Again, I'm glad you were able to make time out of your schedule to be a part of this because I know we had a good time talking about the quote unpopular R&B opinions because I know that was one of the things we were talking about. So, yeah, how have you been? What has it been like dealing with the pandemic and everything else has been going on?
1: Oh man, it's been crazy because, you know, I got a little girl. She just turned one. So when we first had this last uh, podcast, she was what?
0: Probably seven, eight months old.
1: No, no, we did this. How long ago did we do this? Three months ago? I think August or so. Okay, yes. She was about six, seven months. Yeah. Yeah, She was six, seven months. And, you know, we were just getting to the uh, pandemic. Yeah, man, it's been pretty crazy trying to raise. A one-year-old in this pandemic world, man, because you want to take her out. You want to, like, go to the park and you want to go to the mall and all that stuff. But in this world, you can't. So, you know, she's been kind of been she's been with us for about a year, you know, just with us chilling because, you know, we're both in the school system. And so it's been wild. Like, you know, she just started going to daycare. You know, I got a little emotional with that. But, you know, I was a man about it. <laughs> but, yeah, it's been crazy. But fatherhood is crazy. It's crazy and it's fun and you never know what you're going to get every day.
0: I was going to say, I know you're talking about getting emotional things about that. Do you feel like that is something that we're, uh, and maybe not just as black men, but men in general, we're not allowed to do. We're not allowed to have our emotions show. And it's a healthy thing being able to show our emotions. Do you feel like that is an unfair thing that we as men have to deal with? I don't know because, you know, we come from the country.
1: We come from like a lot of older, older dudes who were like really hard. You know, my grandfather was hard, you know all the old men around him, like, you know, you didn't really show emotion. That just was a thing you didn't do. So I don't know, it's something that I think you kind of brought up with, you know? Like I said, even my great-grandfather, it was really nice, but he still was a hard-nosed guy, you know, and so I think we as black, we just brought up to be, you know, wary of the world and being wary of the world sometimes makes you hard. So, yeah. And most of our grandfathers only had a, you know, I think mine only had seventh grade education. You know what I mean? So, they were brought up in the and you know you work, you provide, and that's it. It don't matter what goes on. You work and you provide, no matter what. And, uh, and so, you know, sometimes I'm kind of glad I had a girl because you know I could be a little softer on her, you know. Because like I said, you know they were strict, you know. And so, you know she's a little fighter. You know I, th- I think she probably be more than a fighter than I was. And I may have wanted one, you know, subconsciously, you know, I think Heather would always ask me, you know, what do you want? And I will always be like, ah, it don't matter. But I think subconsciously I did maybe want a boy. But now that she's here, I couldn't ask her anything else, man. She's like my little angel. Yeah, my little princess. Yeah, she's, you know, especially when you see you on her, that's kind of crazy. But, oh, man, I was, I was so nervous, man. I was walking around here like, like a psych patient, you
0: know? <laughs> it's funny. I think of like the scrubs where Turk has always said you know don't you want to be a dad it's like as a man hearing you got a woman pregnant is the worst news that you ever hear <laughs> but uh i guess as things settle down and in the realization you're going to be a father and now you're going to be responsible for another life who depends on you that that can really change a lot of stuff and again right now i haven't experienced that that is something that know, eventually if wait. it happens i mean like i said if those things I mean, I'm not saying it isn't going to happen. I'm just saying when and if it's meant to be, it'll happen.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like I said, that's I guess the blessing, unfortunately, of being a man where, you know, you can pretty much procreate to the day you die, but. <laughs> you can, but you shouldn't. You should, you shouldn't. So, as we move on to, uh, I guess, more pertinent subjects, since COVID began, I know we were talking that time, NBA hadn't restarted yet, football hadn't started, baseball was slowly starting to warm back up, and then hockey was almost on the verge of finishing up. Since sports sort of started getting back on TV, have you been able to get back into watching it, and does it feel – A bit unusual since that stuff has uh, come back, especially empty crowds, piped in crowd noise in empty stadiums. I mean, what has it been like for you watching it?
1: I don't watch football as much as I used to. You know, with the whole cap thing, I I never really just got back into it like I did. You know, I I know what's going on and, and I know who's who and who's winning, who's losing in terms of watching the games as much, I don't really turn to football, but basketball. I, you know, I watch that all the time now. I'm probably more into basketball or anything, but I've always been more of a basketball fan, like, you know. Um, but it was kind of weird, you know, seeing the empty stadium, you know what I mean? In the NBA, when they came back from the with the bubble, they kind of made it okay with the screen in the background, the people you see people in the background, but the new season with the uh, empty stadiums and, uh, the scatter stadiums with a little bit of people in there here and there. I've kind of gotten used to it. It's still kind of weird, but you kind of realize now that that's the way it is. You know, I'm surprised when I look at football games. Sometimes I see people in the stands. I'm like, oh, my God, let people in the stands. But, yeah, it's been kind of weird. You know, I, I probably watched the Grizz game tonight. But I'm still following like I used to, but, you know, I kind of got over all that, you know, nobody in the stands stuff.
0: Yeah, it's weird. You watch the NBA, how they did it. They did basically everything right during the bubble. And now it's a complete mess. People, you know, all these contact tracing things and all this other stuff. It was magic. The way they did it during the postseason was the way. And the funny thing, the NHL did it too. You just said, it was in Canada, so why I saw it. It's like the tree falling into force. If it didn't happen and you didn't see it, it Nobody, didn't yeah. happen. But like, yeah. you know, it's crazy. And even baseball did their first three rounds of the playoffs perfectly. And all of a sudden, it being Texas of all places, it started letting people in. You know, it had been only crazy over Florida.
1: But you knew the NBA wasn't going to be able to keep that up. I mean, that was so much money in that bubble, and it it was so much crazy. Like you know, they couldn't do it the whole year. So I knew there wasn't going to be a bubble uh, like it was before. But you're right. Sometimes you know you kind of you want to watch a game, you know, and then you get an alert like half an hour before the game starts, like game postponed because of you know COVID. It's
0: crazy. You know, I've been trying to watch old sitcoms. I mean, I've been catching up on a few things. Like, I've watched Frasier for the first time, and that was, like, back in the summer. And now we're, like, watching Cheers. And I love Frasier. Yeah, because the funny thing is, it's like you think, oh, this snobby guy, he finally gets his come up because he thinks he's better than everybody. And that's what makes it so yeah. funny because everybody, and you can't say this, no matter where you're at in point in life, somebody who thinks they're better than everybody, you love seeing them get what comes to them.
1: Yeah, my dad used to watch when I was a kid, and I hated it when I was a kid. Like, I Probably because I couldn't understand what he was saying. You know, I didn't know what he was talking about. So and in, in back in the day, we had Martin and all that stuff. So we didn't really, write, really watch CBS at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so now that I'm older, yeah, I watch it a lot.
0: Another thing we were talking about as we move on to the arts, and we were talking about this we discussed before: if there was a movie about your life, who would you have play as you, and what is the person you've been said that you resemble the most?
1: I don't know. When I was working, I turned to school. They used to tell me I look like Ice Cube. I don't know how. I don't think I, look, I don't think I look anything like Ice Cube, but uh, that's what one kid you told me one time. And to play me, I don't know. I never thought about that, buddy. You kind of sprung that one up on me. I'm kind of low-key. Uh, I don't know. I'm stumped. Yeah, like Denzel just like, put, you know, asking, you know, who would you get to play on a video game? Michael Jordan. <laughs> you know, you can't choose Michael Jordan. You won't lose.
0: I mean, you know what I mean? I don't know. Because I always ask this question just because, it, one, it's interesting to see who they'd say and who you'd want. I had one friend say, John David Washington. they would play them. Denzel's son played in Black Klansmen and Pleasant Ballers. I never knew his name. Oh, yeah. Den- we just say Denzel's son. It's like you close your eyes and you hear Denzel. You tr- you try not to hear Denzel because he's his own man. But it's like
1: i never watched any of his movies. I haven't watched any yet. I didn't watch Black Klansmen.
0: Uh, you never watched Ballers with The Rock? He was in there. Like I said, getting here, everybody's saying it sort of opens people's mind. I'm like, hmm, who would I have play me? Some people will go with the person who looks most like them. Other people mm. will go with the people who they feel like could match their personality. But, you know, again, a good actor is someone who can match anything and you expect, like I said, for example, there are probably years that people still didn't think Neil Patrick Harris was gay because <laughs> it's just really? watching. Think about it. Watching Harold and Kumar and watching How I Met Your Mother. I knew that. Yuki Hauser. <laughs> yeah, but you would have thought, yeah, you would not have thought like he plays a womanizer on TV so well.
1: It's just like George Michael. It's like you couldn't tell he was gay. <laughs>
0: hey, just like what the Austin Powers reference, you thought man, Liberace. I thought all the women love Liberace. I <laughs> <laughs> feel like Brian on, Moving on, uh, as we go into the portion of the podcast, which, you know, the theme is R&B. This is something that I thought would be interesting just to throw out there. And, of course, we all did our own share of singing every now and then. But, um, Christian, who would you compare your voice to? You know, style, sound. Is there someone very familiar that you would compare it to? Um,
1: it's crazy because, like, I grew up trying to emulate people that I heard. You know, trying to emulate Nat Cole, Marvin Gaye, Donnie Hathaway. You know, whoever I heard and I liked, I would try to sound like them. But, um, my voice, I don't know. When I'm like a low tenor, like a uh, great reporter. That's not hard to kind of do. But, um, it's crazy because, you know, I don't want to say I sound like people and then then sound like I'm too like overconfident. You know what I mean? Luther, he's cool. You know, his songs weren't hard for me to sing. They were kind of in my range. So probably say him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can sing any of his songs and and not strain my voice or anything like that. Uh, But yeah, probably him. Yeah.
0: You know, that's a tough one for me to answer. And and I was thinking about this and it's like, I know that my voice, and I, and I don't want to make it seem like it's out of like confidence or brag. I feel like I have a very versatile voice, and I could do like a crooner style.
1: Oh, you talking about the jazz cats, stuff like the
0: Nat Cole and that, or like a weird Sinatra-ish type thing. Sinatra, yeah. But then I can do R&B and I feel like listening to more retro stuff, I try to emulate those. I'm like, I listen to like you can hear an inflection. You would try to emulate some Jerry Butler and I'd try to emulate his sort of, you know, his accent there, you know,
1: I can hear Jerry Butler when you talk. You know, the weird thing is I probably enjoy now singing more jazz than I did singing r and B. I don't know why, like I've kind of grown to love more jazz than anything else. Hearing, uh, You know, Nat Cole and all those guys, yeah. And their voices, man, were, like, so pure. Like, when you hear Nat singing, uh, like, I love his his trio stuff, his his early stuff. And um, he had one song that I actually heard on Sanford and Son the first time, (laughs) believe it or not, called Tis Autumn. And, like, his voice was like like butter.
0: (laughs) The one thing I wish that I was able to... uh do more of. When I was at UMES I did some voice classes.
1: With Miss Hollister?
0: No, I actually it was with Mr. Bell. He actually did the vocal stuff for the drama plays, like the musicals and stuff like that. You know, always talk about how he worked with New Edition and he, it's like they were horrible singers.
1: But a lot of pure singers, I mean, a lot of vocal teachers, and I've learned this, you know, over the years, taking like master classes. they find our style of singing very unrefined. Like they appreciate Otis Redden, but they don't think he's a singer
0: you know what i mean yeah which is very interesting because in rock music and especially a lot of the poppy stuff in like the 60s and 70s they emulated r&b a lot you'd have all those tracks and you'd have a gruff singer like there's this one youtube channel I've I listen to who mixes a lot of a lot of Motown stuff with like with rock and it fits seamlessly. You know, you'll have like an Edwin Starr mixed with something and it works perfect with like maybe like the who it works perfectly. And the thing is, because a lot of those guys emulated those those lead singers, think of all those other uh, rock singers that emulated what they saw with blues and with Motown with you know, later doo op and R&B, they emulated the heck out of it. And it's easy not to give the credit where credit is due. While there are some people who do pay their respect and saying, this is the reason why I got in the music. You know, most of the time yeah, it was because yeah. of they found blues than it was anything else. But now I'm, I'm talking about like the jazz cats. like when
1: they hear, like you're talking about New Edition, when you hear Johnny Gill, they probably say, you know, he growls too much. You know what I mean? I'm sure that's probably what the teacher said too. Like what he was doing wasn't not classical in the sense of paparazzi or a real person like he that, would, but classical. He try to emulate. The well.
0: Yeah, the interesting uh, when you think of like jazzy stuff, I'm like, wait a minute, I can understand that. Yeah. But then, wait a minute, you had guys like Louis Armstrong and their raspy, heavy voice. Wow, that sounds a bit hypocritical.
1: I know, but Louis, in their eyes, and Ella, the same way, when they use the scat, and the was. I think they put classic as something that others can do that you can't do. And so scatting and all that stuff to them was like, and it was new. For them, it was new. Like a higher standard of of art. You know, it's kind of like highbrow art. Like Johnny and even people like Teddy Pendergrass, to them, it's like lowbrow art. You know, to them, it's like art that you see at the doctor's office rather than art that you see at a museum. You know what I mean? And Louis' voice was something that that's all the It's
0: not the Mona Lisa, it's more like dogs playing poker. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so, you know, we feel it because it's soul music, but they're like, uh, what is that? You know what I
0: mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, what is the issue with that you know you hear that a lot but yeah it's weird the sometimes the double standard with that i just like it's hard to describe that i I will move on to this i know christian i wanted to talk a quick story we were talking about you lost your voice at one point it was like late high school through college through parts of college where you had lost your voice and and like i said it had to how long ago did it come back and what happened that caused that because that's an interesting story within itself
1: it's crazy how you like I said, I'm I'm a whore fan, so I, so I love horror references. But remember it, and how when they got older, and the person would call him like, "Hey, I need you to come back to Derry. and the person was like, "What? You know, he had to remember because he took it all out of his mind." So when you said that we were gonna talk about me losing my voice, I was like, "I ain't lost my voice." <laughs> like earlier, like, I missed a step or something. You know, <laughs> like am I losing my voice? <laughs> I almost forgot all about it. But yeah, man, like uh. Think of what senior year in high school, I got bronchitis. I think think right before we graduated, I got bronchitis. And it got so bad, man. Like, I would be afraid to sneeze because I could feel it, like some stabbing in my back. And uh, I think after the bronchitis left, you know, because I was hoarse. And the bronchitis left, but I was still hoarse. And so, like, a month later, I was like, my voice still ain't back. So I think my mother took me to a ears, nose, and throat doctor. And he took the long tube about this long and stuck it down my nose, like a little telescope. He was like, oh, I see the problem. Like your vocal cords aren't moving. And I was like, what? He was like, yeah, He's like, your vocal cords, they're like this. And when you speak with a deep voice, your vocal cords are really open so the air can get through, a lot of air gets through. So when you sing with a real high high voice, with a high, you know, like Philip Bailey, your vocal cords go really, really, really tight. And he said, with your vocal cords, the right one is moving, but the left one is just stuck. It's not doing anything. He said, so you can do one of two things. You can have surgery, or you can wait for it to come back. And he said, I wouldn't do surgery because doing surgery, means have to take your vocal cord out and put an artificial one in there. He said, so I would just wait it out and hope that almost like an electric shock, you know, it shots back into place. So we went home, we thought about it. And I think I was starting UMES that freshman year. I started my voice back. And Miss um, Hollister, like I just talked about, she was the classical teacher at UMES, but I was taking a uh, a music theory class with her. And she had given us a paper at the beginning of the class. She was like, if anybody is a singer with having a paper, if anybody wants to sing, come join the course at such and such time. So I put on there that I sang, but I lost my voice. So after class, she was like, you know, still come. You know, I, she was like, I know you lost your voice and everything because she heard how I was sounding. She was like, you know, still come out. And I think that was the best thing I did because with her class and with her being classically trained, we would do uh, vocal exercises. And so it was almost like was inadvertently training my vocal cord to get up again, like, you know, like wake up, you know, that kind of thing. And maybe after you know, that semester, I could kind of hear my, my voice coming back, but it lasted about a year and a half. Yeah, it was it was bad because you know I love singing. <laughs> you know, and I was walking around saying Louis like, well, Armstrong <laughs> <laughs> Like nothing was coming out. Like it was crazy. And to not have your gift, because I love music. Like, I would sit home, you know, in my grandmother's living room, and I would have my CD player, and I would have a stack of CDs laying on the table, and and earphones. And after dinner, you want Christian, you got to go in there and like, like, hey, because I got the music blasting. I'm listening to whoever I want, through the dramatics, You know, Maxwell was out there. So music was my thing and so now I have my voice. It was crazy. Um, But, yeah, man, you know, she helped it, you know, come back, like, you know, slowly but surely. And I'm sad because I had, um, the semester was over and I didn't take a class again. I never got a chance to, like, you know, like, thank her or even go back to, you know, to be in the course because I was kind of embarrassed because I was, like, all these people are singing, you are like, yeah, they can sing, but I sound better than them. <laughs> I can't show it. You know what I mean? So um, that's one of the things that I always wish I did was, was go back and join the UMS, uh Concert Choir, but I never did. But yeah, many came back and so much so, like you said, like that's almost another world away. Uh, so much has happened. So really
0: and you know, I think about it with the voice. It's like we didn't do a lot of warming up and that is something that Honestly, it's just like a pitcher in baseball. You don't all of a sudden start throwing 97, just walking and throwing. No, you got to warm up. You no, know, because I was just used to getting up somewhere and singing, like, you know, cold. Like,
1: you know, hey, Christian, you know, like speaking of church, things like that. So I didn't know the importance of warming up and getting your voice right and breathing. And so when you talk about the jazz guys, buddy, that's why I started listening to the jazz guys, is because they can teach you how to breathe, and hold notes and, and articulate sound so yeah like the voice it's just like another instrument you gotta protect it you know sometimes i haven't sang in the wild because i have you know baby or father stuff and i sing, try to sing something and i'm like oh man that's bad you know but i keep going and it kind of kind of works its way back
0: it's funny i went on a cruise and i did a lot of the karaoke there on the ship and they even had this one thing where you can perform with the house band in the middle of the cruise ship and i was doing that and i was like i said pretty much every night except for the first night, maybe the last night, maybe even the last night of the cruise. I was up on stage doing karaoke. I was up on there singing. And the first thing I would do while I would watch everybody warm up, I'm just going, I'm serious. The more you think about it, as stupid as it is, the enunciating from different chorus teachers I had Mm -hmm. at Y Middle and at UMS, (laughs) you know, every little thing came back. (laughs) It took me a while to even find my voice then. It was just sort of like, and I got older and then figured out, you know, you got to stick with what works and then be able to use warming up. At UMES, and I started doing drama there. So I was like co-leading the Mikado. So I was the Mikado. So I had to, you had to do the scales and do all the other yeah, stuff. So. Yeah. so you learn from there. And then really, I put it in a box and you just don't use it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Occasionally, karaoke. I'm like, oh, I want $100 doing a karaoke contest at Chef Fred's. One $100. Hey, it's say? the easiest $100 a made. Actually it was a song for you.
1: The Donnie or the Tim's version?
0: The version with the, the doing the Dennis oh, Edwards yeah. one. but yeah, man. Like I said, when it comes to stuff like that, that's the easiest hundred dollars on me next to the two hundred dollars one in a trivia contest. So my mother always told me she
1: said you're working too hard. She said you should be somewhere singing, so you're working too hard. I was like, you know, I would love to be somewhere, you know, singing every night. you know, I know it's hard now with with the baby. But I mean, you know, you're right. Like if I could get a hundred dollars a night Singing some tunes, you know, and no, no it's not much in, in the grand mm-hmm. scheme of things, but you
0: a hundred dollars for yeah. singing one song, man.
1: <laughs> one song, yeah. I'll gladly take that because oh I won
0: the competition, yeah. I won first place. <laughs> I won first place that night. Had a chance to compete to do opening act at the Salisbury Festival, that was had to be 20, 2012,
1: 2011. Oh, yeah, yeah, you were, you were doing a trivia heart, too.
0: I, and I know we had this extended conversation. I wanted to move on to a couple of things because I know life and everything, but a couple of things I wanted to ask about. Life. is It feels like with R&B, and we can always keep these short answers, R&B, that R&B groups, classic, that are still performing, don't get as much respect as you see like uh, other traditional acts and other genres like for example you'll see people our age oh or and maybe that you know, you'll hear about the, talk about the beatles like you know it just came out brand new before or like the rolling stones i mean and the rolling stones haven't had a hit in probably a good 20 years paul mccartney he hasn't had a big hit in a while people 20, people more yeah than more than 20 and people still it bring them up to conscience uh, well other than michael jackson who else is it for, for r&b Let's keep out the dead people because, you know, that's sort of the equipment. Michael Jackson friends, that's sort of like, I don't even want to compare to Elvis' attitude.
1: Um, For me, I think it's because we as black people, we're always looking for the next thing. We very rarely stop. Like, we create all the giants. Jazz, hip-hop, whatever. But we never stop to look back. Yeah. And I had this conversation before. How you turn the Grand Ole Opry. And I, I've seen on Grand Ole Opry sometimes. I've seen uh uh what's the white chick that? Oh, Taylor Swift. Oh, that's all. Uh, I've seen her on Grand Ole Opry, and because and, and, those are her roots. You're not seeing her performing with you know Reba McIntyre, You know, cause those are her roots. But we as black folks, man, like we very rarely we say less honor people. You know, not yeah. less to die. You know what I mean? But and they know it. Like they put Patty LaBelle and Gladys Knight and uh, who else is been? talk about Jag, talk about Herbie Hancock uh blues buddy guy like they put them on a pedestal but we as our people we don't honor them you know you know as we should they do but we don't and and that said
0: I think it's a similar situation like with Earth, Wind, and Fire. Like Earth, Wind, mm-hmm. and Fire, they're still out there performing. For example, you'll hear people, maybe some people talk about Chicago, but you don't hear people in our age group like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go see Earth, Wind, and Fire. I'm going to teach my kids about Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, it's more when you get in those poppy commercials. And speaking of Taylor Swift, that awful version of September should be thrown away and burned with all the other stuff that burned in the Universal Fire where the people lost all their master recordings. That stuff should be burned.
1: It was the golden age. Golden age of pop. What, you, what you're saying is like, what I'm saying, like, we're always on to the next thing. Like, we live in the moment as people. You know, we live from moment to moment. So when a new generation comes along, you know, of course, you know, nobody's better than Biggie Nas, Tupac, and, and Jay-Z. You know, I'm not Jay-Z fan, but I I, I know his skill. But it's just that we live you know, moment to moment. And so uh, the kids that grew today, you know, weren't born in the 90s. You know what I mean? And so they were born in the 2000s. And so they heard, you know, I'm trying to think he was out in the 2000s, like, because music back, you know, streaming kind of messed up music period, you know, around that time. So they listened to that kind of stuff. But like like I said, we don't think about the giants that our culture created, because we're always looking for the next giant.
0: You know what I mean? The only person I think that even, and I think a hip hop on something like that, Snoop is someone who sort of has that sort of legendary status but he kind of sells himself, though. Yeah, he yeah he sells himself, but yeah he had to sell himself a lot. I mean, the only people know Dr. Dre is for his headphones, but <laughs> <laughs> seriously, that's all they—that's most people know them for. They only know them for the headphones; they don't know for everything else. Yeah, yeah, we'll move on to our unpopular r and opinion thing. This was something that I know ended up being a bit of a thing that involved a lot of participation from people on Facebook. One night I told them, hey, we're doing more <laughs> unpopular r and opinions. And I picked out a few off of the selection, some from the first go round and some from the most recent list. And we can always do short parts on it. We can give a short discussion on each. Starting off with, this is my thought, Justin Timberlake, and to a lesser extent, Sam Smith are, in my opinion, culture vultures.
1: Hmm, JT, yeah. I didn't think about that with Sam Smith until you told me about that article. I don't really live to his music a lot, but my wife does. But um, I thought he was kind of like, oh, I appreciate where the music is coming from, kind of guy. I didn't know about him about not knowing about, you know, MJ or things like that, so JT, definitely, like when I saw that Mickey Mouse joint of him singing singing, he was like six years old (laughs) you know, I was like okay, come on now but yeah, no, I totally agree with that
0: to me, yeah, when I saw that video, I mean, to me, Sam Smith didn't, it didn't bother me. But then when I saw that, I'm like, really? If you're singing this genre and you like just want to take it and then use it for your own thing and dump it all I'm like, hey, you know what? I'll take Robin Thicke over you any day. And that's saying a lot because it's Robin oh, Thicke. Oh, Robin Thicke. Yes. Oh. If we're going to get into that, I'm like, hey, eh, eh, you can be just as replaceable. No. Hey, it happened with Robin Thicke. Robin
1: Thicke. Uh, I take John B. Over, over Justin Timberlake, Sam Smith.
0: You guys oh, remember God. Remy Shan and that one song he did?
1: Oh, my God.
0: Well, you didn't? I <laughs> oh my God. I Sing don't I, 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 Thomas was the one who you were talking about Remy Shan all the while. I would rather just as so much as he talked about uh, John B. Take a message from my love. Yes. To me, Tina
1: Marie is up there. Because of Rick James.
0: Yeah, they pulled the reverse Osley Brothers on her. You know how the Osley Brothers, they just, they never put any photos. of Well, actually, I think with the Osley Brothers, they just put white artists on there just to cover up that they're black. I think with Tina Marie, they just didn't put any photos
1: on there. And <laughs> I had one of her vinyls up there. Uh, I forgot which one it is. But yeah, whenever I see her stuff, I, I pick it up. Like My mother was a, a big Tina Marie fan, so we heard her growing up all the time. Yeah, she gets a pass. No doubt. <laughs> no doubt.
0: Uh Tony Tony Tony, they are underrated musicians. Um I don't know, buddy, because
1: Raphael Sadiq now, he does a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Like, I think he's getting credit. His brother Dwayne and the other guy, maybe not, but Raphael Sadiq, I mean, people know him to be like, you know, a hit that guy. That joint Ooh Girl. Man, that's my joint. Here's another one.
0: I'm um, April Wright. This was Ruben Stutter's version of Superstar is better than Luther Vandross's.
1: Yeah, I better <laughs> stop it. When she wrote that, I was like, no. <laughs> no. No. Buddy, you believe that, Earl? Earl, do you, do you believe that? Uh-uh, uh uh-uh, Earl? Do you believe it? Yes, no. I need an answer from you right now.
0: No, but they have their own place. Luther's is far more superior. Earl, Ruben Stuttered like, he's another one. I
1: don't feel his music. I don't know what it is. But like him, I think American Idol kind of puffed him up as cause he was a big black guy. So yeah, you sound like Luther. <laughs> you know what I mean? But Superstar, come on now. Superstar, come on now. My father always says there's one song that no one should ever touch, ever try to remake in music history. And it's Superstar by Luther Vandross. Now, my, dad, my dad's a jazz guy and a funk guy. So, him saying that was like, I, it perked my ears up. And yeah, Ruby started, he doesn't. You talk tell 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 about Taylor Swift and Earth, Wind, and Fire with the September. I feel the same way about Ruby started, Seamless Superstar. Throw it away.
0: Well, or Beyonce singing before I let go. That's pretty much. So, no, but no, oh no. God, there's only one version before I let go. She has a voice; it's just not a a. You
1: can sing what you can't say. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the Supremes, yeah, <laughs> the Supremes, Supreme. like Diana Ross wasn't the best singer. He,
0: it's the uh, Florence Ballard effect.
1: Yes, yes, it always does. Yeah. I mean, she's a great. She's a great. <laughs> but like back to your other question about how, you know, on the artists of yesterday don't get the credit or the limelight. Um, I think a lot of times, man, they want them to sound like, like, At Last was such a great song that when other people hear it, work with Etta James or whomever, they want it to sound just like the Etta James of 1950 or whatever. And so Etta James' voice isn't like, yeah. see her voice isn't like it was how it was back then. Like even Elton John, like, you know, but people still still see him. But, you know, our artists, like you talk about Dennis Edwards, you know, Temptations, like his later years, man, he was he was sounding kind of bad.
0: I I, I will say this. Uh, and you know what? I was bring a point. There was a video I watched. It was from the Rock and Roll All-Fame. It was Aretha. It was Ron Isley. It was Dennis Edwards singing a song for you. This would have been great in 1985. <laughs> so this was like mid 2000s. It was after Ron Isley's stroke. So he couldn't sing anymore. Dennis Edwards started to sound like Brian Wilson. You know how Brian Wilson he told them like Marbles in the Mouth? That was that Dennis Edwards, unfortunately. R.I.P. Dennis Edwards, R.I.P. Aretha. But those uh, songs yeah. were
1: so great that, like I said, you wanted the person singing it live in 2021 to sound like the person who sung it in the studio yeah. back in nineteen fifty something. Like like Whitney. The voices, I mean a lot of those cats were, you know, they like I love Edda James, but she she did a lot of drugs. They like drinking. Like smoking. Oh, yeah. She messed her voice up so she can't sound like she did when she was 21. And so,
0: Dion Warwick is a prime example, too. Oh yeah. Dion Warwick had a great voice, and I saw I heard her on The Masked Singer. Oh it my God. It, it, it's just sad. It's like seeing uh, a former athlete that shell themselves. The song
1: was so great that you heard it sound like, it, like she did. You
0: know, I don't know if you guys watch a mass singer and I'll go on a quick uh thing, but you know, you hear Patty LaBelle, you hear Gladys Knight, they still sounded the same when they were on the mass singer, like I said, Dion Warwick, not so much, and that was like, oh gosh, you, you could tell it was Dion Warwick, but you could tell it was not Dion Warwick. Dionne. <laughs> I mean, but you see a new life to it, but like I said, the fact that Patty LaBelle. And I'll say this: the Bell got beat by Seal, and I'm I'm still surprised by that. Jeez. That I mean, in the matchup, I, I, I'll say that Paddle Bell got beat by Seal in the matchup, and I like Seal. I but I've never watched the match. He is. Not. I haven't watched it yet. I'll say this: "Kiss from a Rose" is probably to me. I don't think Seal can even top that. Seal to me, "Kiss from the Rose" is preeminent. Yeah. Seal spot. <laughs> no, I will say that I like Mass Singer. The only question is about that. I don't like how. And I know it's not live, but the audience really is not really a good judge of talent. I will say that. But uh, that's my only personal opinion on that. That and the show up. I'll go through these quickly. Uh, From Bunky Luffman, he said that Bill Withers, Sam Cooke, and Otis Redding didn't get the attention they deserved. Uh And I was saying, for example... I, no, I, the, the example that two of them had the reverse Tupac syndrome. You die early and people forget you as opposed to you die early and people will remember you. It's, it's the fact that the effect that Aaliyah and Tupac had, people still remember their music. Unfortunately with Otis Redding and Sam Cook, that wasn't as much of a thing. And I think the wizard was just sort of under the radar. Didn't want all the fame and the, and everything that went along. And sometimes you just want to make music and just keep going. That's all.
1: I do think, Otis Redden and Sam Cooke got got the credit but I just think they became titans so yeah you know it's some people that tell yourself I'll never be that so I know well, why I try I'll never be Michael Jackson so, so I'm not even trying to be Michael Jackson but I know who Michael Jackson is so I think people especially seniors they know who Otis Redden and Sam Cooke are it's gonna never be them but Bill Weathers I don't think you got his credit you're right but like Bill like even me I didn't know about Bill Weathers until I got into college like and like I said right now have like every single album he ever had because like to me like his writing his voice man were just you're right it was i was blown away when i heard his cause all knew was lean on me that's all i knew <laughs> but now it's hell like before it's rosy it's you know hope she'll be happier with him like Man, yeah, he didn't get a credit like he deserved.
0: Next thing I wanted to go through quickly. There was a huge difference between Mariah's Carey's music before, during, and after when she was married to Tommy Mottola.
1: I saw that one. <laughs> and that was
0: from Megan Stork.
1: <laughs> I feel that Tommy Mottola gave her a bad variety of, of, of songwriters. So when she first came out, she had all the great songwriters at her disposal. That's when we got "Hero" and um, the "I Don't Want to Cry" joint yeah. her first album, "Vision of Love." Yeah, yeah, you know, uh, I, "I Don't You Alone," all that stuff. She got so Tony Matola gave her the best of writers. When she left him, she went to more hip hop. So she got the Stevie J writers, you know, because Stevie, you know, Puffy has Stevie J, <laughs> you know. So her songs weren't as deep or as lush, but you had "Breakdown" after Tony Matola. You had uh um man what was the woman the woman she was on the boat with Puffy. Uh Honey. Just joint talking about Bobby Womack, man. But yeah, but now her voice is I, I take that back. I saw a live thing with her a week ago in the mm-hmm. living room. And I think Mariah just sings when she wants to sing. I think she's lazy. I think she's a lazy singer. Because she was in the living room. With the guitar band, the guitar, drum, the keyboard, and she was, you know, blowing out the roof. I'm like, but that New Year's Eve concert, though. But, and Eve it's funny; they
0: always talk about, they always talk about it, her and voice so, was gone. It's it's like this? It's they always said that Aretha Franklin told her, "You really should take care of your voice." And think about it. Think about it, Aretha to the end gotcha. was still singing like Aretha, and Mariah is not even what she's 30 years younger and and it's it's a mess i think she seems like i gotta find you the video man because I, I saw it on um it was on
1: instagram or i'm on youtube because i don't really look for my girl on youtube must be on instagram It must coming from my feed but she was blowing i mean she was um i forgot what she was singing. it wasn't her first it was her early early stuff but it was like a later stuff and she was hitting those notes and i'm like yo so you're telling me that you're singing this now, and but five years ago, when you were doing that New Year's Eve concert, you were sounding like garbage, I was like, oh, so you just do it when you want to
0: I mean, which is bad because like I said, she was blown even with the theme for mixed dish. it was like that that was like classic Mariah man, her
1: first album, you know how you got albums that you as a man you want tell nobody you, you like you know her first album, you know, I think it was like ninety one which kind of her first album, I'll still play
0: that. I wanted to move on to another one quickly. This is something that is a co-sign between me and Chris Waters. We were talking about Jamie Foxx and I added Wayne Brady are better singers than most R&B singers today. I, and I will say this, it, I think that Wayne Brady gets pegged with that Chappelle show thing and then people don't underestimate how good he is. It's interesting watching the Mass Singer, how many people thought that it was Jamie Foxx singing and not Wayne Brady? And Wayne Brady is that good. And he won the whole competition, running away. Him doing his version of This Christmas, I think it was this Christmas. W- he, he did a couple of a holiday songs. And again, they're going to put him in that box, uh, Whose Lines Anyway, the Chappelle Show thing, which, which unfortunately people will not give him a shot. I won't say it damages credibility. No, people won't give him a shot. It's just the perception that they see of him, and people sleep on him. And like I said, because if everybody thought he sounds like Jamie Fox, and everybody, you know, and Jamie Fox gets his due, and when it comes to music, I mean,
1: I don't think Jamie Fox is that good of a singer. Like uh, he's okay. Uh, I think Ben Brady sounds better than Jamie Fox. Truth be told, I think Jamie Fox, I think Jimmy Fox had that one good joint with Drake, and he sounded like Drake. You know, a fall for your type. Um, you know, I think it's the other thing was just things you could hear in the club, you know, the uh, uh, predictable and um, the other one he had. I remember predictable because it had the new birth to it. But yeah, I think, you know, I think Wayne brings it much better than Jimmy Fox
0: now. And another one as we wrap this up, John Legend, while talented, he's the same way you go as Ruben. He doesn't move the needle for me. I will give him his credit. He's talented, but he's just, eh,
1: you're right. Yeah, his music, um, I think he had that one, the one he made for his wife. What's that what was it what was it called? Uh with the piano, uh man, I forgot what it's called. And, um, it was his biggest one. remember me five, six years ago. That one was cool, but you're right, like his music is very I don't know, it should move me, because I love singing I love R and V. But it doesn't. I feel like he's a knockoff of Carl Thomas. Like I think his voice sounds like Carl Thomas. Like I think you know, I kind of mad if Carl Thomas didn't get his due, even though Carl Thomas' second and third album were kind of garbage. But um, but yeah, like I don't, I wasn't saying ordinary people. I just wasn't, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I just you know he write. He's a good songwriter. He can play the piano, and he's not bad. It's just eh, you know I I I don't want to ever put him like I said, because then we'll get in that category. Is like well. You know, we start putting him in the the Wayne, the Wayne Brady category, where he he apparently mm-hmm. attracts more of a, a different demographic. Which, but Wayne Brady is a better singer than John Legend. Not John has a better writer. Than oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but Wayne Brady's yeah, a better performer yeah. and singer than John Legend.
1: Yeah, he's like Neo. A lot of the stuff, I feel that he should have just written and, and let somebody else sing. Yeah, like you, you're a good writer, but let someone else sing it. You know what I mean?
0: I will wrap this one up as our Unpopular r Opinions. This is James Brown. He oh, nice. is the king of beefing slash trolling slash diss tracks. Just because if you look at his history, like one song I, I think come to mind is Get Up Off of That Thing, where he basically called out the Ohio Players, Johnny Taylor, Casey and the Sunshine Band, Barry White, and There's probably a few others he did, and then there's the his whole beef with him and Joe Tex, where he basically took Joe Tex's an ex-wife and had him write a song. They did a song together, and then Joe Tex would write a song back and said, "You can keep her." That's of the And this is the '60s. This was the 1960s. So I didn't know either, they were doing beef well before <laughs> anybody in rap was doing it. And it, it, I don't know if you if you ever watched the movie One Night in Miami.
1: There's a scene where Sam Cooke, and Malcolm X, talking about how he first saw Sam Cooke. And Malcolm X was like, "Yes, yeah, Sam was about to go on, and his, his mic started messing up. And Sam Cooke was like, my mic didn't mess up. That was Jackie Wilson. And they're like, what? And he was like, yeah, Jackie Wilson was the king of, of like, sabotaging, you know, people's stuff on stage. <laughs> so I hope round up there, him and Jackie Wilson with the with the kings of petty.
0: People don't notice that. I'm like, he would name check people in a lot of songs. Just when you get a chance after this, just listen to Get Up Off of that thing and just listen. All six minutes, all six minutes of it. I'm serious. I mean, because I, I, that, that song. Oh, man. And I think of this this stand-up thing that Roy Wood Jr. did. He goes into this whole thing about black people singing patriotic stuff and, you know, only get Whitney Houston just singing that. But then they're talking about, what about living in America? No, well, you guys don't understand. James Brown would just talk about the places, the oh cities that were safe for black folks. <laughs> New Orleans, New York City, Dallas, <laughs> yeah. uh, San Francisco, yeah. Pittsburgh, Kansas City, Atlanta. <laughs> he named everything. He's like you listen. To, you I, also, I, listen to his songs where he's sort listen. of stealthy yeah. about certain things, but he was just blatant and get up off of that thing.
1: I would definitely listen to it.
0: But James would never petty towards Michael, <laughs> never petty towards Prince, Everybody never petty did. towards a lot of. I mean, even he knew sometimes you just gotta, you know.
1: Well, he saw them as as being his like disciples, so he was definitely like. Uh,
0: even though Michael admitted it was more Jackie Wilson than it was James Brown, but. But people yeah, forget. Yeah. People will forget that by that time James Brown was still performing, and Jackie Wilson was in a coma. I mean, think about it. He's already the king of sampling too, because everybody sampled James Brown. So he, again, he is the standard bearer. Unfortunately, while guys like Little Richard and and Chuck Berry don't get the thing, James Brown just basically he said he preeminently had a big impact on hip hop <laughs> from the samples and, and diss tracks. Sample
1: diss track, and you know, and the one, the one that, you know, things on the one, with one instead of. You know that that on the one was was what hip hop is all about. So yeah.
0: As we start to wrap this up, any shout outs, anything that's going on new that you want to promote that people will be able to listen to, especially when this episode comes out. Um, shout out my wife
1: because she had to put the baby down and you know give her a bath, give her a bottle, put her down, and 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 Morgan can be she can be a lot when she's when she's trying to you know when she's fighting to sleep. So give my wife a shout out for
0: that yeah where can people find you on social media
1: um you can find me on instagram my first name christian k-r-i-s-t-i-a-n underscore 83 uh that's about it yeah i'm not on the twitter
0: i'm not on tiktok on doing that stuff so yeah it's always great to talk with christian when it comes to the topic of r&b music as it is a shared passion of ours Next time, we start to go into our NFL playoff preview as we look at the teams of the AFC playoff race that just missed a cut. What went wrong for the teams that are now looking on the outside in? Find out next episode. As always, all episodes of the Sports Refuge can be found wherever podcasts are heard, including Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, as well as on the Sports Refuge website. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on any of those apps, Leave a mention and we'll read on a future episode. Until next time, this is our holland sing. Thanks for listening and have a good one. You've been listening to the Sports Refuge Podcast. For more information about our show and our guests, go to our website at thesportsrefuge.com. Follow us on Twitter at thesportsrefuge, on Instagram at sportsrefuge sports blog, and on Facebook at the Sports Refuge Sports Blog. Thank you for listening.